Episode 173 of the PJ Archive is a phone interview I did with the American singer, actor and businessman Jimmy Osmond, who's the youngest of the globally successful family music group The Osmonds. As a solo artist from a very young age, Jimmy had hits around the world, including Long-Haired Lover from Liverpool, Tweedledee and I'm Gonna Knock on Your Door. He's also acted and presented on stage and screen, is a very happily married father of four and one of the nicest people on the planet. Jimmy is currently recovering from a devastating stroke he suffered in late 2018 while starring in a British pantomime. This interview took place in 2001, when Jimmy was promoting the UK release of an album entitled Keep the Fire Burning." Fascinated to know why, after all these years, you're releasing records in England. Well, you know, I have never really stopped uh, recording or performing, of course. It's just that the timing has never felt really right to come back there yet. And right now, I'm at a really good place in my life, and so is the rest of my family. And we're having a good time. I own a little theater in Missouri. And, you know, it's kind of wild because it's an entertainer's dream because you can record your own records <laughs> and never release them anywhere. <laughs> and you can go gold in your lobby, you know. Right. And it's, uh, it's, it's been fun to be able to still record and know that people want to hear your music, you know. You know, I love England. And uh, I've been over there many times promoting, you know, the box set of the brothers and the family and... And uh, this particular album that's coming out is, is a solo project. So I'm hoping people like it. You already have a massive, strong fan base that will always buy your records no matter what. Well, you know, we've, we've been really blessed to be able to perform, well, for my older brothers, 40-some-odd years. But, you know, I've been working consistently since I was three. And we appeal to different age groups, I think. The older people remember us from the old Andy Williams shows, you know. Yeah. And uh, as we've gone through our career, you know, we have kind of a broad demographic. And at my theater, we just kind of had a celebration. This We've had it nine years, and we just had our three millionth visitor. Hmm. We do about 300,000 people a year right. through the theater here. And it's, it's really nice because it's people from all over the world, and we get a lot of folks from, from Europe coming. So have you been releasing albums, certainly in the States, consistently all these years? Not all these years, but, you know, I've, I've recorded and had success in South America. I used to sing in Spanish. I also have had some wonderful success in Asia and uh, Japan. Mm -hmm. And in the U.S., you know, I've been recording for the past several years with my brothers, and we've released albums uh, consistently you know, kind of like I've told you, mostly theater albums. Mm -hmm. So although it may appear to British audiences to be a big comeback as a performer, that's not the case. Well, I guess, you you know, people love to try to, to say that's the case, but I think every project is a comeback project, you know. Mm. But I just, I've been making music consistently uh, for many, many years, and I love it, and and I'm passionate about it. But yeah, probably this is a new project for the people in, in Europe, and hopefully they like it. Because for the last, you know, 20, 30 years over here, everybody's always heard that you're such a successful businessman, and we assume that that's what you'd completely gone on to and just left performing altogether. Well, that's partially true. 
you know, I focus most of my efforts on producing and presenting other artists and, you know, in my real estate and development company, but consistently I've never stopped performing. Um, you know, I have been doing, you know, 200 plus shows a year with my brothers. And then I go and do some independent things, mostly overseas. But, you know, I love being able to have kind of a diversified life, you know? Yeah. But when you love to do something, like if you paint or whatever, you know, you can't stop painting. You're passionate about it. And when you hear a great song and you want to make it and get back in the studio, I've always done that. And, and I hope I have an opportunity to, to always continue to do that. Now, you're best known over here in a solo capacity for singles you had out when you were sort of 9, 10, 11 years old. Right. Have you actually performed those songs over the years as you've got older? Because it must be very difficult because obviously your voice must be very different now. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it's so funny because I'll go to Japan and they won't forget, similar to England, they won't forget Long-Haired Lover from Liverpool, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. But I, you go to different places... Uh, like in South America, Siempre Tu was a huge record for me there. And people don't want you to grow up or to change, you know. And here at the theater, it's kind of funny, especially people from England will every time shout out Do Long Haired Lover from Liverpool, you know. And at first it really bugged me because I think everybody learned to love to hate the song, you know, because yep. it was so popular. And so just as kind of a tongue-in-cheek fun thing, we did this dance mix version of the record, and people went wild for it. So just as kind of a, a fun joke, I kind of put it on the album. But, you know, everybody just loves it. But and does this mean you've re-recorded it, or have you got the same recording from when you were nine years old and just used that and mixed it? No, no. It's basically, it's samples on the record. I'd love you to hear it and tell me what you think. But, I'd like to hear it. Um, it's got the sample of my voice when it was little. Like, I'll be your long-haired lover from Liverpool. Just that one section. <laughs> yeah. And then it goes into a whole different different song mm -hmm. using the same melody bass, and, but it's, it's a dance mix. And it even has a, uh, a, a rapper on it. And it's just kind of fun, you know. I didn't take it serious. I just did it for fun. And, and everybody just has been freaking over it. I have to tell you, that song completely threw me when I was a child because I thought you were singing I'll Be Your Sunshine Daisy from Elaine, which is a girl's name over here. Oh, yeah. And I didn't know what L.A. was. It just seemed very bizarre to me. You should be a sunshine daisy from Elaine. Well, you know what's funny is I look back at some of those songs, you know, and yeah. I didn't know what the words even said. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because, you, you know, really... To start performing so young, they just basically told you what to sing and what to do, you know. And uh, I'm grateful I had that success, and, and uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. But nowadays, you know, you can kind of pick and choose what you, the fun you have in life, you know. When you have music you want to sing. Mm. When you had those early hit records, it came before the big Osmond Brothers thing. Were you therefore expected to be the big star of the brothers? Instead, Donnie became that, really. Well, you know, I just finished producing a movie that's going to be airing here quickly uh, called Inside the Osmonds. It kind of deals with a lot of that, you know, more so about my brothers and their sacrifice that, you know, having to be the flavor of the month, if you will, and then not the flavor of the month in a family and, and this kind of the stress that put on all of us individually. But for me, you know, I had my first hit record when I was five, and was the first family member to ever record and have a, a success like this. So 
so for a long time, it used to be Jimmy and the Osmond Brothers. Yeah. And then it was a bitter pill to swallow when I went through that awkward stage. And, you know, Donnie surfaced and, and then Marie surfaced. And then I was, on, I was the kid brother on their television show every week. That was kind of a, an interesting change for me to go through. I mean, being perfectly honest, you know, everyone has those scars in their life where you go, wait a minute, I thought I was supposed to do this, you know. And I'm so grateful that my parents encouraged me to pursue other things in my life, you know, business interests and, and other hobbies that I had success in so that it, it didn't distort the way I looked at life, you know. In those early days, with all respect to you, you were quite a chubby little chap. Oh, sure. I was, I was like the, uh, the, what do you call it, mascot, if you will, yeah. <laughs> of the family. And I was okay with it, you know. But I did go through a stage in my life where I went, what am I, am I a joke? Or, you know, what's going on here, you know? And then you realize that it's where you put your importance, you know, and place the value in your life. And I'm so grateful that I had those experiences because now I have three kids, a beautiful wife, and I get to show them, you know, what my childhood was all about. And it's, it's fun. It's fun to relive those days. But because it sounds like you suffered a little bit, perhaps in your self-esteem and things at that stage, are you very careful with your own children to sort of steer them away from the pitfalls that you suffered? Well, I think my family's too young, but I think when you get to that stage, my oldest is six, you know. When you get to that, that stage in life, hopefully I'll be able to be there as their buddy and their friend and help them like my parents helped me in finding other ways that they excel in life. It's not just about, does everybody love me kind of a thing, mm. you know. It's about, are you pleased with yourself and with what you're doing or with, you know, whatever you're pursuing. I understand that your daughter, Sophia, is already performing with your family at the theater. Uh, she just does it for fun mm. um, every once in a while. And she ice skates, so I have an ice, ice skating rink that she kind of does some performances on every once in a while. And, and she's just a little thing, and, but she loves it. You know, I think performing can be the greatest blessing in a, in a kid's life. It helps them be confident in what they do. But again, if they put too much importance on what that is and care too much about what other people think about them, then I think it can be dangerous. And I hope that I can be there for my kids when they go through those struggles. Everybody goes through those same things in business or in what they pursue, I think. But you and your brothers, your talent was spotted extremely young. Can you already see in your three... Well, I mean, your youngest is only one, isn't he? But can, can you already see that they've got something special? Yeah, you know, it's cool to see how each one of them, you know, come with a different software package, if you will. Mm. <laughs> you know, like Sophia excels at, at piano and and little Zachary, you know, he's not that great at that, He's but he can sing or he can, you know, run a computer better than I can, you know. Mm. And it's, uh, it's fascinating how we all have different talents and I don't know, I was always in a, we had a lot of pressure growing up, but my parents really tried to help us develop not just one talent, like singing or performing, but tried to help us find self-esteem in other things, you know. But many times over the years, your parents were accused of being pushy parents. Do you defend that still? No, I think they had to be tough. My father had to be tough. My mother always was very loving and nurturing, 
But my father had to be that strong because how do you get, you know, basically 11 family members or nine kids all in the entertainment business through it with the success and, and also the struggles that we had unless you had discipline, unless you, you know, kind of had that strong hand in uh, helping your kids grow up in a right way, you know. Mm. And so nowadays, I look back at it fondly and grateful that my parents taught us discipline and hard work. But at the time, we just thought, you know, I thought my dad was tough, you know, and, and just too mean. But now, I look at it different. How tough was he then? Oh, he was very tough. He's a teddy bear now, but uh, he's an army sergeant, you know. As a matter of fact, he was over there in England during the war, building runways and doing a bunch of things, so he loves it there too, but he was very tough. You know, we got spankings and whippings and you name it, And but that was part of that era, wasn't it? There's been a lot of publicity about the Jacksons, particularly Latoya, I think, you know, saying that have, their father was really nasty to them and everything. Is that something you could relate to when you heard all that? Well, I could relate to my father was tough on me when I did something wrong, but he was Nine times out of ten, very, very appropriate in the criticism and discipline that he gave us. He was never over the top, to me anyway. Do you behave the same with your children? Um, I'm not as quite as tough. Uh. <laughs> I think it's a different era. I mean, coming out of the time of life that my parents did, that starting a young family, it was a totally different way of raising children than mm. it is today. And I think we all have to adapt but still maybe pick the best parts, don't we? And try to make, you know, corrections as we go along. What was the worst aspect for you that you suffered in those days? You were saying that your father was very tough. Was it a question of you refusing to go on stage one day and you getting beaten for it, or what? Well, no, I think the worst thing that ever, uh, time of life that ever happened is when, again, I went through that awkward stage and I was quite chubby, you know, and people would mock it, the press would say, here comes little Jimmy bouncing on stage, mm. and and that would hurt. That hurts anybody. I don't care who you are. I was more afraid of disappointing my family than I was, you know, afraid of any ridicule I'd get from them, but the, the media was pretty, they were great to us, but they were also very tough because we were so unique. You know, we were having what, 47 gold and platinum records and 80 yeah. million records sold, but they would still treat us as though we were an oddity because we were a family, you know. But for the last decade or so, we've been hearing over here that you turned out to be the best-looking Osmond and also you turned out to be the most successful Osmond. Does that well, must give you... Don't, don't believe everything you read. <laughs> <laughs> well, that must be great for, you know, licking your finger and sticking it in the air and saying, yeah, so there, I told you. Well, no, it's never been about that. You know, we all have our insecurities, and trust me, I have mine. And I don't necessarily feel that I'm the most successful or the best-looking in my family, but I'm grateful what I have. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing music, and I'm, I'm pursuing these projects that I'm pursuing because I like it, and not because I'm trying to take it too serious, you know. If this album isn't successful, it won't hurt my feelings at all. I, you know, everyone wants success, but... I'm still going to do what I do because I love it and I'm passionate about it. It's not about the money. It's about being creative and, and you know, it keeps you going. When the name Osmond is mentioned over here, people immediately hark back to the 70s, though. Is that very frustrating for you and your family? 
Um, I think it is for a couple members of my family. For me, I think it's great. You know, I'd rather have... Which couple of members of your family? I hate to single out anybody, but there's a couple members of my family that are really intensely set on continuing their career, you know? And as for the rest of us, I've enjoyed the ride. Right. And I'm grateful for the ride. And I believe... You know, you're an entertainer if you're making music and if you're doing stuff that's new, you know, and, and, and not taking yourself too serious. But there are some family members that look at the 70s and try to hide from, from what we have achieved. And we should be nothing, in my opinion, but grateful for the success we've had. I mean, my gosh, to, for my older brothers to be able to perform over 40 years in what you love mm. and still be able to make a living at it and, and to have it be new and creative, I mean, that's one of the greatest blessings anybody could ask for, I think. I mean, you think I'm nuts? Well, no, you, you just said, well, one or two of my family are trying to continue their careers, but I mean, isn't that what you're doing by releasing an album? Isn't that just continuing sure, your career? Sure, but again, I think I'm, what I meant by that was, remember, you asked me about the 70s and how yeah. we looked at our past, mm. and I look at my past as I'm grateful for what's happened and, and the success we've had. And I look at that as, as kind of a launching pad. I'd rather to have that than nothing. And uh, again, uh, this album is important to me, but by the same token, it's just what I do, and I'm going to keep doing it, whether it, it works or doesn't work. And I think it'll work. Donnie is making a comeback over here this year, and in fact, he seems to be coming over now exactly the same time that you are. Is that a coincidence, or is this a deliberate competition? No, it's never a competition. Donnie and I are best friends, and... I do think it's interesting that we're all coming over at the same time, but, you know, when you realize that, you know, when you assign your rights to an album or whatever to a record company, they have all their people in trying to maximize exposure for the product, you know? Mm -hmm. But as it relates to my brother Donnie and I, we're constantly calling each other and playing each other our music, and, and uh, again... I, I don't think we're that way. I know I'm not that way, and I know he's proven to not be that way. But it is kind of interesting because, you know, we can't modify our schedule or the release dates of what the record company does. But I was surprised that they, they changed his promotion tour. But that'll be cool because we'll be able to get together over there. But you see each other all the time, don't you? Or is he not so not much? Really. Not really. We talk to each other all the time, but... But, uh, you know, we all live really busy lives, and and we're just like a normal family when it comes time to, hey, you're done with your work, and now you're going to, you know, get together for Christmas or something, you know. But uh, I think it would be nice to hook up over there with him. When he had such unbelievable solo success in the 70s, how jealous were you? I wasn't that jealous, but I think a couple of my other brothers were, you know. Again, in this movie we did, it really brought that out. Um, Meryl and Jay, you know, Jay was really the first guy that had the success on the old shows, you know. Mm -hmm. And then when Meryl was the lead singer of the Brothers forever, and still is, he was having huge hits that they would write and they would be part of the uh, that creative process, which I think really makes you an artist. And then when Donnie came along, the record company pretty well just went after the, the, the teeny bopper bubblegum market. And, you know, they told us what to sing. And that mm. was a very bitter pill for, for uh, the older brothers to swallow. 
I mean, we're all at a good place now with it and grateful for what happened. But uh, for Merrill, you know, he holds deep in his heart, you know, serious sadness because they were contemporary. They were aggressive with their music, like Crazy Horses and Hold Her Tight and some of those great hits. And then they had to put it all on hold and on the back burner while Puppy Love and Sweet and Innocent were the thing, you know? Now, you and Donnie have both starred in Joseph and his amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. A story right. about a load of brothers being jealous about the star brother. Is, Isn't that is that funny? Is that because a story you can relate to? Well, you know, it was. It's kind of weird. You know, when I did it for two years, and then Donnie called me and said, "Hey, he was so respectful and cool to me." He said, "Hey, they want me to do Joseph. And <clears throat> I won't do it if you don't want me to." You know, right? Because you did it, and I go, "What are you talking about? Go do it." You know. Mm-hmm. And he had such great success, but it is kind of interesting especially in his case more than mine uh the success that he's had yeah uh it is interesting uh the the parallels and and little things that families go through we've read all sorts of stories about in the osmond's heyday how they used to have a sort of phone line to the fans and they'd invite them up and and have sex with these girls and then they'd be tossed out the back door is there any truth in all that no you know it's the truth of the matter is is none of my brothers have ever had sex before they were married and which is incredible i mean you go yeah right but it's really true and i don't know how we made it through it because we're red-blooded american boys you know what i mean and um i think we made it through all of those those years because we were together you know you said your brothers didn't have sex before they were married may we ask about you no i haven't and i don't know again in the world we live in today it's a little different than the one in the 70s okay but and, or the 80s even. But I don't know how we made it through it. You know, we had credible conviction in what we believed in was right and wrong. We didn't mock anybody else for living that lifestyle or whatever, but it just it was a code and a, and a commitment that we had made to ourselves. And I'm glad I didn't because now I have a really great marriage and a very healthy sex life and, and uh, you know, no, today, if you re- tried to recreate that, if that would work, I mean, it's tough. <laughs> you know? Did these girls not even come in the dressing room at all, not even for a cuddle then? Oh, yeah. We had lots of situations that were very difficult to turn down. Right. And, uh, but somehow we did it. And in your case, what was the hottest situation? Did you ever go back to your hotel room and find a bunch of them in your wardrobe or something? Pretty close to that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially overseas, you know, where that's not frowned upon at all you know like in the pacific rim area especially and uh, that's just part of doing business you know people thank you with 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 uh gifts if you will uh, i can remember just running from it because you know i was alone i mean i had i had uh, associates with me but i uh, i don't know how i made it through it talking of running from it david cassidy stopped his career just as it got so hot he couldn't handle it anymore. Did it ever get too frightening for you, all this mass hysteria? Well, it was scary for me, especially being the youngest, when, you know, I was, when we weren't on tour, which was rare, I would have to wear a panic button that the FBI gave me just because of the amount of threats that they had toward me being the youngest. Why would they threaten you, because you're the youngest? Well, just for kidnappings and those kinds of things. And, you know, we had Patty Hearst and the SLA gang, the 70s Liberation Army that, that yep. were trying to get us. And, and, you know, lots of just weird 
bizarre things, you know. Did any kidnap attempt nearly come off? Uh, we had a couple of very close calls, yeah. We found people in our home that were armed, and we found threats to be the case for bomb threats at our concert. And, you know. You sure that wasn't David Cassidy just trying to get rid of you all? It could have been. I don't know. <laughs> I never really, I never really knew David, but he seems to be still doing well. There was always a lot of rivalry in the press at that time about the Osmonds and the Jacksons and David Cassidy and so on. How serious was it? Was there ever any jealousy or rivalry? Well, if there was, we never knew it because I can remember in, in uh, England there, I, I think it was the Churchill Hotel, and there was like 10,000 girls outside and none of us could get out of the hotel. <laughs> and we would hook up with each other on occasion and play soccer in the hallways and you know, later in, in life here, I've, I had an opportunity of, of helping Michael Jackson's tour, his bad tour, and raising the money the, uh, and representing the television side of it uh, for his tour. And, and I flew over to uh, Japan with him to start his tour, and he was so cool and just so gracious. And, you know, he, he had respect for us, and we had respect for him all those years. Did you sort of nostalgia about the 70s with him? Oh, yeah, it's great. I mean, we all remember, especially for us over there, you know, even though it was just as crazy here in the U.S. for us, going to England and, and, and you know, all over the British Isles, it was it was so crazy there. And it was like we went to a different world in our lives. And so it was so impacting. A lot of people over here are very wary about Michael Jackson now after those allegations of child abuse and things. Is it something that's on your mind, bearing in mind you're a father yourself? Well, you know, of course, I, I don't really have any tolerance for anyone that would abuse a kid. But every time I've ever had an interaction with Michael, which hasn't been many, but it, over the years it probably adds up to quite a few, he is always just, I, I couldn't believe that that would even be the case. I mean, he's just, Every time he's been with, with me, he's been very cool and very appropriate and just a nice guy, you know? So it just shocks me, the allegations, and it makes me wonder if people just aren't fueling it just to try to create stories, you know? Because, mm, I mean, he's always painted as this weirdo and he's had so much plastic surgery and all that sort of thing. Is it somebody you just, you just don't recognize that person? He's, as a person you meet, it's very different. Yeah, you know, when you're talking to the guy, he's very cool. And, you know, again, reality is different to everybody, depending on what they've gone through, I think. And, mm. and what's a regular day in reality to someone like a Michael Jackson is very different than maybe you and I, you know. And so if you try to get in, in their world and try to understand where they're coming from, I think it's easier to understand some of the know, disguises that he wears to be able to get out and even have a normal life. And, you know, uh, but yeah, you know, sometimes you wonder why people push themselves as far as he did. But again, I can only speak from my interaction with him. For a while, you were as big a superstar as he was, albeit when you were very young. Do you wish you'd maintained that level of superstardom even to now? You know what's funny? Um, and you may or may not believe this, but I believe this is, I am grateful for the hard times, too. And I think when you have adversity in your life, it makes you who you are. And, you know, we lost a bunch of money, everything we'd ever worked for as kids back in the 80s, you know, when we, we tried to be everything to everybody, you know, as far as being producers and 
making movies and you know we did all of that and when we lost it all i think it was the best experience that ever happened to us because it made us value the important things in life and it made us appreciate money it made us appreciate the position that so many people have put us in and be grateful for it and i think that adversity in anyone's life you can look back on it now and say hey it made me be a stronger person so when did you lose your money and why the family did i always kind of did a separate little thing but my my family kind of pulled all of our money and you know we lost i think it was 80 million dollars back in just when the Donnie Marie shows were canceled we built huge facilities we had three jets and we had almond orchards and we had uh, offices all over the world producing commercial productions for you know major companies and we entrusted our estate with a few individuals typical entertainment story you know mm. uh and we came home from our tours again selling out doing all of what we knew how to do and found out that it was gone and uh, you know it's covered in this movie again that we just I just finished producing but mm-hmm. i think it was again our best hour because it it uh, it shows what you're made of you know but a lot of people who go through things like that start hitting the bottle and start taking drugs and all sorts of things did it happen to any of the family not that i know of and i just think it it proves that whatever tough love or whatever we all went through together uh ended up being what what uh, saved us because it would have been so easy to go out and just go against everything that you thought you were about you know and uh i'm sure we all i remember myself having those feelings uh i'm so grateful i didn't didn't give up on myself but i really understand people that go through those times those hard times and have a great sense of empathy uh for all of us when we go through the hard times because we've been on the bottom of the world and on the top you know yeah as as a family you've always been associated with the mormon religion and you know is very religious folk has that been a pressure to you over the years to sort of keep up this clean cut image oh, it's been a lot of pressure but you know uh if you don't stand for something you'll fall for anything i believe and we do believe you know we're christians and the code and and the way we try to live our lives you know we fail miserably every day yeah, we all do you know uh but um uh, it's it's what's kept us through it's given us uh something to hold on to and you know i'm sure you can relate to this too it's just for me i want to know what this life's all about you know mm-hmm. i want to know what what i'm doing you know mm-hmm. and i want to be able to have a belief system whatever religion you are or whatever anybody else is you want to have those belief systems that keeps you going that keeps mm-hmm. you motivated about life and keeps you enjoying what your what our experience is here together you know and i'm grateful that we had that uh, i think without it we would have blown it big time and and probably wouldn't even be speaking to each other as a family but to this day we're intact and and celebrating that and uh, i think our religion had a had a big part and still does for me today and to my knowledge every member of my family is still very active and has never deviated from that well you say that but i mean just a year or so ago there was much publicity about marie splitting up from her husband was that a real test to the family's faith not at all you know i mean divorce is uh, is between two people and sometimes 
you can have two good people and we put them together and they don't get along with each other or there's been mistakes that have been made that makes it impossible for them to continue together you know that's not frowned upon at all with our religious beliefs you know we believe that when you get married it's a big commitment and if you better be very justified in splitting up you know but i think in marie's case it definitely was she was very justified you know they got back together seven times and it just wouldn't work mm. and so no my family is still friendly to this day if you can believe it with uh, her ex-husband and so is marie you know she still allows him in her life and and uh, in the life of their son that they had together. Now, I understand you met your wife, Michelle, when you were babysitting for Alan. She was, actually. Yeah. Well, you know, we met each other then, but I've known her for about eight years, and then we got married about ten years ago. But we never really dated. We were just not casual friends, you know? So why did you choose Michelle? Because she likes me for me, and because whether I, I have a lot of money or whether I have nothing, I know that would still be best friends. I think you really got to marry your best friend to have it last, you know? Had she so, been an Osmond fan? Not at all. Not at all. She still doesn't know all that we had achieved, you know? She was very focused in her life, and she went on a mission for our church and she also graduated from college and she knew about us but never really followed us you know she's she's like me she likes classic rock and riding harleys you know and and it's fun and it's it's great that she wasn't into it when and where were you married i was married in the uh, salt lake temple in salt lake city in 91 june 7th a few years ago, I interviewed the Osman boys when they came to London. What's happened to them? They're still doing good. Those are all Alan's boys. Right. And uh, they're doing a tour. Um, they did Joseph, as a matter of fact. And now they're doing another production. I forget what the name is of it. But they've kind of disbanded in some ways, and now they're back together because some of them went on missions for our church and, and are pursuing other things. Um, but they're very talented kids, I think. Because you did quite a lot of acting yourself. I, you know, you did Kids from Fame and, and all that sort of stuff. Did you not wish you'd develop that side of things a bit more? You know, I do. I do. I have some regrets about that. I had opportunities to pursue, and I was just insecure and not knowing how to really be a good actor. And I was grateful that I had some success doing it, but I wish I would have pursued it. And how do you feel when you see footage of yourself as a youngster now there's old pictures and film and stuff i still wince a bit <laughs> <laughs> you know but again it's fun now that that uh, i used to throw away you know mattel made a doll a jimmy doll right i love now the fact that they did that but i used to hate that they did that when i was a kid and i hated them you know with a passion i'd see them and i'd just get sick but Nowadays, I, I'm trying to collect as many as I can because I think it's cool to give to your kids. <laughs> Have you still got the old outfits, the jumpsuits from the Osmonds days? No, I think we all burned them. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we have a couple. I have a restaurant in my theater here, right. and we, we put uh, a whole bunch of memorabilia and anything that we could find, you know, from clothes to gold records to whatever, uh, and, and put them up. So it's kind of fun to go looking through there but you know it was weird 
success came really fast to us, and, and um, it, it came so fast that we didn't really realize what was happening. And now that, you know, those days are over, as far as, you know, the fever pitch of that career time, now we kind of cherish the memorabilia and awards and whatever. Is there still any hysteria at all around you and your family? Well, I don't know if it's hysteria, but, you know, it's a different world. But I produced a 40th anniversary show, and Donnie and all the brothers were together, and it was wild, you know, pushing and screaming like the old days, but nothing was like the old days. Mm. Was it very difficult to come down from that high of constantly being screamed at by girls? Yeah, I think, I think in all honesty, it is a change. You wonder, what, what did I do wrong? And then you realize that's not real, you know? And then you realize that, hey, you know. But yeah, it, it's a, it is a different, different thing to go from screaming stadium of 30,000 girls to a Las Vegas showroom, <laughs> yeah. you know, where everyone's sitting there drinking, say, entertain me. You know, that's, yeah. that's kind of a... But we've always had those challenges with different audiences, you know, but... I, I'm happy today, though, and, and again, I went through all the struggles that you're, you're talking about, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't trade anything, really. I'd probably make a few decisions different that, you know, that I would have disappointed myself in my life or whatever, but really, by and large, I'm, I'm happy where I am. A friend of mine who's an absolutely massive Osmonds fan tells me that you had a little business called Buttons, Buttons, Buttons when you were 10 years old. Yeah. What was that? Well, you know, we never really got allowances. We'd be making all this money, and we'd never have any pocket change, you know. And it was kind of bizarre. But anyway, I had some buddies that I used to play baseball with when I'd be off tour, and I said I'd give them a penny apiece <laughs> if they would pound out these badges of ourselves or other artists, you know. Mm -hmm. And then when I'd go to concerts, I would find people that would be willing to sell them for me. None of my family really knew about it. And I was bringing in a bunch of money, you know. And it was funny because when my brothers found out, they turned me in. <laughs> <laughs> and they bought that business from me, and it ended up being a real moneymaker for the family. But mm. I took that money then and turned it into a small little advertising service agency, you know, and right. we ended up with clients like Yamaha and National Harvester and Coca-Cola, and, and it, was, it was really cool. What aspect of business attracts you most, the financial, the wheeling and dealing, or just the organizational and controlling side? Well, I am a control freak, and I'm trying to get better at that, you know, but I like diversity. I've done a lot of different kinds of things, some that have worked, some that haven't, but I, I love the challenge of putting something together that works, and regardless of what it is, if it's a multi-lot real estate development or if it's, you know, just producing a video or a movie or something. Mm. I think that is so cool, and you can learn so much by doing different projects, you know? And again, I, I don't want you to get the opinion that I've done a ton of stuff, because I haven't, but I've tried to do as many things as I, I can handle, mm -hmm. and it worked out for me. You recently took time off from performing with your brothers at the theater to pursue some business interests of your own. What business interests were they? Uh, well, there are several things I'm working on right now. You know, primarily, my brothers still love to tour, 
a ton. And I don't like to tour that much, especially with my young family. And so I didn't want to be away from them that much. But some of my projects that I'm working on now, well, again, I told you we just finished this movie. Yeah. Um, I just got back from China where we're doing the very first co-production with the Chinese government on an animation project mm -hmm. uh, that I've created. And hopefully that'll, that'll commence here in the next 30 days. Right. So that's been hard to put together. And I still consult overseas for television companies. Will the Osmond Theatre always remain, even when the original brothers have all stopped performing together? No, I think it's on its last legs, to be quite honest with you. It's been very successful, but my brothers now especially, there's been kind of a resurgence of interest in their lives and their career, and they get so many offers to perform nowadays, which is kind of cool, and they like touring. And so what I'm going to do for them, they want me to promote and present the Osmond Family Christmas Show every year and promote that, and I told them I would do that, which only lasts about six weeks. Starting next year, the only involvement I'll probably have performing with my family is just that six weeks. And I may not even perform, I'll just present it, you know. But it's kind of sad to see those days go away, you know, where you were interacting with your brother every day, six days a week, ten months a year, you know. When Merrill came over here last July, he promised that he would be back this year in March to do a one-off gig at somewhere like the Festival Hall, and he would definitely bring Wayne, Jay, and yourself, and would work on Alan and Donnie and Marie. Suddenly it was announced that the idea had been cancelled and would now not happen. Do you ever see you all getting back together in England to perform a proper concert, rather than just the odd fan get-together? I kind of doubt it. It was a big feat to pull off having everyone show up for the end of this movie that we just did. But everyone is doing their own thing career-wise, you know? Yeah. And so I, I think it's highly unlikely. I would love to do it, and if everyone wants to do it, I'll do it. But I think the reason why that show was canceled is all the elements weren't together 100%, because I think what they were going to do was a concert, and they were going to film it and release a, a DVD mm -hmm. on it. And some of the aspects of the deal just weren't together 100%. And my brothers don't want to do anything unless it's good quality. It, I can respect them for that. It wasn't sort of infighting over money then and contracts and things? Oh, not at all. You know, my brothers and I, we, we, hardly, we don't even have contracts with each other. Right. And it's just, you know, what's the deal, guys? And, and we, we go into it. And, you know, my brothers are funny. They're motivated by money, but they're really not. Hmm. When it, these kinds of things. When we did the movie, they were excited just about having the career remembered, and then when they got a check on top of it, right. they were like freaking out. They couldn't believe it, you know. So just explain a little bit about this movie. It's a television movie. Right. It's a two-hour movie, and it's called Inside the Osmonds. That title might change. The network's playing with a couple others, but the working title is Inside the Osmonds. It's a dramatization of of the days beginning with the success of One Bad Apple and kind of concluding when we went through our financial struggles. So it's, it's kind of, it was really nice for my family to go through this because, you know, we wanted to tell an honest take. Are you all in it then? At the very end of the film, and this is what I was telling you, it was kind of hard to pull off because of everyone's touring schedules, but 
the end of the film, it goes from the actors that played us to a scrim. We're behind the scrim, all of us. Uh, it flies up and the real Osmonds come forward and it's kind of nice. It's kinda, it was neat to see really hardened industry people, you know, get emotional even. It was, you know, it was, it was kind of cool. I hope it's well received. It airs February 5th, coming right up here. We just delivered the movie, so we barely made it. Are the actors who are playing you all, are they well known? Are they famous? Most of them are, are well seasoned actors. There's a couple of new actors. Some of the characters that play us don't look exactly like us, but the network wanted to go for acting chops, you know. And what's the one that looks like you? What, what does he look like? Well, you know, I produced it, so I kind of pulled back my involvement. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to be, make some expose about what I had achieved in my life, and I kind of, not in it very much on purpose, but I kind of wanted just to show the essence of what we went through, good times and bad, and and again, it's a happy story because we are intact as a family, and, and I think that's something to celebrate in this industry. So we don't see a little chubby kid waddling onto the stage then? Oh yeah, you do. Oh yeah. So I, I, uh, I told the network and everybody involved that I wasn't going to pick the kids that play me. <laughs> The last I heard of your brothers, two or three of them were seriously ill. Was that an exaggeration? In Alan's case, no. I think every family goes through times when someone's diagnosed with a cancer problem or, you know, a heart problem or whatever. Every family goes through that, and, and we've gone through that ourselves. And, and But, you know, because of who my brothers are, people make a really, really big deal about it. But in Alan's case... He does have multiple sclerosis, right? And he is still pursuing aggressively his life, and is very upbeat and positive. But he does have that disease, and it's been hard for us to see him go through that. Your other brothers, one of them had a brain tumor, didn't they? Yes, Wayne, but it was successfully removed, and he's a hundred percent. Merrill, over the years, had suffered from, you know, a lot of stress, just like everybody else. But he had some heart irregularity, mm -hmm. but it's nothing serious. How difficult is it for you to witness that because you're so incredibly close? Oh, it's a killer. You know, there isn't any one of my brothers that I wouldn't stand in the way of a train for them, you know what I mean? Yep. And, or my sister. But we have hurtful times with each other too. You know, we're normally just like any family, you know, especially a family that's in the same business, you know. But, to see any of your family hurt is awful. When you have experienced setbacks such as that, do you kind of think it's some kind of a balance for all the fantastic times you've had? You never know, but that does come to my mind, you know. You, how many times can lightning strike? And, and uh, it's always been striking for our family, and you've got to take the good times and the bad. And, but yeah, you think that sometimes, wondering how could we be so blessed when there's so many talented people out there, more so talented than us, you know, and you, you got to have your share of uh, heartache, too. Being very honest, are you closer to any one of your siblings more than the rest? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say that I interact a lot with my brother Jay, and uh, Donnie would probably be next. And do you have right. friends from your early childhood you, you still keep in touch with? Yeah, only a couple. My brothers were my friends. And the way we were raised was very peculiar. And I don't have a lot of close friends. 
I mean, I have a lot of friends that I've associated with, but you know what I mean, like from your childhood, which I think you're talking about. Yeah, presumably you couldn't sort of go to school in a classroom with other children at that stage, could you? Well, I did. I tried it a couple times, and, you know, at the time, we were on television every week with our shows, and the kids came at me with razor blades and switchblades, and I never went back. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. I've been beat up many times, and, and one time I got beat up in... Uh, and put in the hospital just because of, you know, jealousy. And, but all kids go through that. No, they're not that bad, they don't. Well, in the U.S. they might. <laughs> you got beaten up. How, how badly were you beaten up? Oh, it wasn't that bad. I mean, you know, I just, my um, caused some teeth to get a little loose. And uh, my nose was bloody and my eye was just huge, swollen. But that's all. Nothing major. How old were you then? That time I'm telling you about was, I was about 15. Wow. I was living on my own, but, uh, you know, I just wasn't where I should have been. And, uh, you know. And you were beaten up because you were an Osmond? Yeah, and also they recognized me and they were, they were doing some stuff they probably shouldn't have been doing. And I didn't partake in it and participate in it. And they thought I was being the... Smart Alec, and so they beat the crap out of me, but that's okay. You mentioned your teeth just now. The Osmond teeth became very famous, especially over here. And I don't understand why. Well, because they were so shiny and white. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they were retouching that on the photographs, because I, you know, Marie has large teeth, and so does Meryl. But Donnie and I and the rest of the brothers, our teeth are the same as anybody's. I never could figure that out. I just think people kind of take those little things and blow them up out of proportion. Hmm. But um, I have more cavities than Heinz has pickles, so... <laughs> <laughs> what music do you play at home in the car, and do you like the same sort of stuff as Michelle? Yeah, uh, you know, we're really into the, the classic rock, the Eagles, and, you know, I mean, that's kind of what we do. And I have a Harley, and I, once in a while I go put my headset on even though you're not supposed to and just ride you know yeah and listening to some of that great music but i i love music i love all kinds but if i had to pick my favorite it's you know classic rock but your new cd uh, none of the tracks are written by you do you not write songs like your brothers and, and do not play instruments i do but when it came right down to picking what was right for the album i have about 10 albums worth of songs because i have my own studio and and uh, when it came right down to it, these songs were better. Right. And I didn't put mine on, but hopefully I'll I'm keep I'm working at it. So hopefully someday I'll be able to to write a song that that, uh, that really works. Do you live only in Missouri now? No. I'm kind of like a nomad. I have a we have a home in Arizona and we have a home in uh, Park City, Utah. Right. And what about well, LA? You don't have a place there? No, not anymore. I sold that, and I like just going in and out of L.A. It's more fun. So where do you spend most time? Uh, it's been here in Missouri, but that's, you know, that's changing. I'm thinking that it's going to be up at, in Park City more so. And is your house full of souvenirs of the old days? Not really. I do have one souvenir, though, that was, that's actually from England. When I went over, it was to do the promotion when Richard Branson used Crazy Horses, you know, as yep. the theme song? Yeah. I went and I got in from the airport and I looked up and I saw on all these billboards all over my picture. Oh, yeah. And I had no idea. And it was uh, from UK Gold, you know? Yep. 
and it was it was actually making fun of me, but it said um, he sold out Wembley. Good thing there was something on the box that night, <laughs> and I thought that was like the greatest backhand compliment because they said their research said that my face and Mrs. Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher, yeah. were the two most recognized faces. So they put me on the billboard, and Fantastic. so they gave me a, a photocopy and framed it for me. And so I have that hanging, but everything else is at the theater. I don't have anything from my history uh, here at my home. What's your favorite single memory from all your heyday with the Osmonds? There's so many, without sounding cheesy. Uh, one of the greatest memories was the one of the last shows my brothers and I did, I think even this year. You know, to work so hard together for so many years and um, to have made it through another season. It was hard knowing that, that the future doesn't hold a lot of work for us together, you know? Yeah. And that was really tough. But I love the fact that, that we had made it, you know? Mm. Lots of funny memories. You know, I remember in Las Vegas, I have a lot of embarrassing moments <laughs> that um, I was performing uh, and I was eating all these grilled cheese sandwiches and I had like sunstroke kind of a thing. Yeah. And I was performing anyway and I got so sick. I used to do this Elvis impersonation when I was a little kid. Uh -huh. And I went, I want you all to know that. And you're supposed to stare at this lady, you know, in the yeah. front row. And it goes into, I got a woman. Yeah. And I got so sick that I, I threw up <laughs> on, the, on the whole front row and flipped over. It's because I slipped. And I kept going. I kept performing. <laughs> but it was just one of those times where you were just such a little kid and you were uh -huh. so embarrassed what you had done. That's pretty gross, isn't it? That is sick. <laughs> Donnie put that in his book, and I about killed him for it. So <laughs> now, now I'm over it. What do you want to achieve in, in future years? What are your ambitions? Are you going to retire young now that you're so successful? Oh, I'll never retire, and I'm not that successful. But I hope I can just keep doing what I'm doing. And I, I cartoon a little bit. I used to have a cartoon strip overseas. And so I hope that I can... I've written some kids' books, you know? Yep. And there's a the lot of works and stuff that go with them. And I'm kind of having fun being in that whole world now because mm -hmm. of my, my children, you know? So I want to just do those kinds of things. And I want to be a great dad. And I want to keep pursuing my music and, you know... How satisfied are you with your career? Oh, medium. I think I'm very satisfied with the experiences that I've had. But... Mm. I've learned to kind of just be happy where I am at, you know, and not, not hope for too much or take it too serious. But I have different careers, too. I'm really satisfied with, with my company. We have 65 agents, and, you know, we do real estate and development, and we've built shopping malls, and we've done a lot of cool stuff. And I don't care if I ever move another piece of dirt in my life, mm. <laughs> you know. So I'm happy with that, and I'm, I'm happy with the stuff that I've been able to do in the entertainment world by presenting other artists like Bon Jovi and mm. others that I've worked with, you know. Which other artists are genuine friends of yours? Mm, I'm embarrassed to say I don't know. It's kind of a superficial world. And I think that everyone loves you when you're writing a check. <laughs> and unfortunately, a lot of people... That's, I'm not being fair because... All the old artists that I had an opportunity to work with, like the Bob Hopes and the Steel Balls, and you know those kinds of people, we we did interface a lot with them. They are cool. They're really happy with where they're at in life. Yeah. And it seems that a lot of the younger artists 
either I don't relate or click well with them, or, uh -huh. you know what I mean? I do, yeah. It's just like, what's in it for me kind of an attitude versus nurturing a friendship, like the, the old nostalgic, really great were. Just a few weeks ago, I interviewed Andy Williams, and he insisted, oh, cool. he insisted he should take credit for the discovery of the Osmonds. Is that fair? Uh, well, he should take the majority, let me put it that way, but Walt Disney was the very first right. that discovered the brothers, and that's where Andy's father saw the brothers, and right. the rest was history. We were all born on his show, but you know what's odd is Andy lives four doors down from me here in Branson, and so our, my, family, my kids go and trick-or-treat his house, <laughs> and so it's just very bizarre yeah. to have someone that in influential in your life. You know, Andy is another great great example yeah. of a guy that really cares about you, you know, oh, that's nice. about public perception. And years after you've left this planet, how would you like to be remembered? I, I doubt I will be, but uh, uh -huh. <laughs> oh, the only way that I'd like to be remembered probably is I was a good, I was a good guy and that I was a good dad and that I was, you know, faithful and, and a good husband and the rest of the world who needs it, really. Does it bother you that so many people, especially over here, will always remember you as the plump little boy who sung Longhead Lover? Yeah, sometimes, you know, you almost kind of wish that, say, you know, everybody gets a chance to grow up. But, again, I'd rather be remembered for something than not, and, and as it relates to my history there. And, oh, I'm okay with it. And that's why I even put this Longhead Lover track on. A lot of people said, oh, don't do that, you know. Uh, and I'm not trying to recapitalize on that success at all. All I was trying to do, because it's not the single or anything. Yeah. All I was trying to do was to say, hey, I'm proud of my history. And this is kind of a fun new take on, on the success I had as a kid. I'm not a kid anymore. You know, I'm 37 years old, and but I'm grateful for what I did, you know. And I'm very grateful for this interview. Thank you very much indeed, Jimmy. Hey, I appreciate your patience. Hope I didn't uh, drive you crazy with all my chatting, but thanks for your interest. So, no, it's been fascinating, and I really enjoyed talking to you. Well, thank you so much. All the very best to you. Thank you. To you too, sir. Cheers now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.